I love the movie we're looking at this morning, A Christmas Carol. Uh, this may be the greatest of all Christmas movies. In, in fact, there are people who proclaim that A Christmas Carol is the second greatest Christmas story of all time, of ever. And, and after watching this movie and studying it over and over, I think that's pretty right. It's an incredible movie with an incredible message. Now, you got to understand A Christmas Carol was written by Charles Dickens in 1843. It has stood the test of time. And it's been made into multiple movies. If the clip I showed you was a little bit too serious, just go find the Muppet version, okay? You probably, probably do well with that. But Dickens, actually, who was a follower of Jesus, wanted his books, his novels, to actually be parables that displayed the teachings of Jesus. And we see this in this movie. Now, you don't have to go any further than just the name of the main character to get the point. Let's look at that. What was his name? Say it with me. Ebenezer Scrooge. Let's think about that for a minute. What was a Scrooge? Uh, Listen, that name was not even known until Dickens wrote this book. A Scrooge is someone who's selfish and stingy. And we first meet Ebenezer Scrooge in this movie. He's at his office on Christmas Eve. He's not wanting to let his employees off for Christmas Day. He's wanting them to send out eviction notices to some of his renters. There are people coming by his office, taking up for Christmas charities, which he turns it straight down. I mean, he's just this miserable character from the very beginning of the movie. It all could be summed up in his response to Christmas, which is bah humbug, which is a term of derision, of disgust. The whole thing disgusted him. He hated Christmas. Now, he hadn't gotten there overnight. To, to get to that point, it, we'll see it took an evolution in his character. Often we see ourselves sort of slip, don't we? I I read something this week I thought was sort of funny. It was called The History of the Marriage Cough. How does a husband respond to his wife when she's got a cough? Stage one, she's coughing. He goes, honey, I'm so sorry to hear this. Let me call the doctor and go warm up some chicken soup. Stage two, man, that cough sounds bad. Why don't you go to the doctor? Stage three, you look awful. Would you stay away from me and the kids? Stage four. How in the world can I watch this game when you're hacking all the way through it? Anybody seen that happen in your marriage? Well, with Ebenezer Scrooge, don't, don't point at somebody right now. With Ebenezer Scrooge, that's what happened in his life. Now, that brings us to the next part of his name, which is so easy to overlook, which is Ebenezer. And that's not a, a common term for us. Uh, normally we think of a you know, Baptist church, Ebenezer Baptist church in some small county. We, we don't really think about the meaning of the term. Many of us uh, know the, the song, O Thou Fount of Every Blessing, and there's this line in it I never understood, which said, here I raise my what? Ebenezer. And they, what, what, what is an Ebenezer? Well, biblically, Dickens knew what an Ebenezer was. It's found back in the book of 1 Samuel, and God's people have lost battle after battle after battle because of their unfaithfulness to God. And finally, they turn toward God, and they defeat the Philistines, and they stop there and build a stone monument. That's what you call an Ebenezer. It's a stone of help. 
It's a stone that commemorates when God miraculously intervened and changes things. And so I love that part. It tells us what this movie is about. Here's what you need to understand. A Christmas carol is about transformation. It's about God's power to intervene and to change things. God becomes our rock, our stone of remembrance. Now that's the message the angels gave the shepherds. You know, one one theme through Ebenezer Scrooge in this movie is, and one of the reasons that Dickens wrote it was because capitalism was in high gear. And because of that, many of the poor people were being overlooked. And Dickens wanted to write about that because he didn't want anyone to be overlooked just because we all desire to make more and more money. And Jesus does the same thing when he enters the scene. He displays himself to some of the poorest people on the earth, the shepherds. But listen to the message to the shepherd, Luke chapter 11, Luke chapter 2, verse 10. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. Here we go. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior's been born. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. Listen, from day one, the Christmas message has been about great joy and good news. And Ebenezer Scrooge had none of it. He was quite proud of it. Until there was a visitation that changed Scrooge's life. It's Christmas Eve. Now, he had had a business partner, if you've watched the movie, named Jacob Marley, who passed away about seven years, and he was every bit as greedy and selfish as Ebenezer Scrooge. And so on Christmas Eve, his old partner shows up in a dream, and his partner is chained. He's chained down with regret. He's chained down with greed. He's chained down with unforgiveness. And he appears to Ebenezer Scrooge, trying to say, Scrooge, you've still got chance, a chance to change. And in that scene, there are three ghosts that appear. First of all, the ghosts of Christmas past. And Scrooge is forced to see himself as a young boy, innocent at first, but rejected and sent off to boarding school by his parents, made fun of him by his classmates, and his heart becomes harder and harder. Finally, to a point he's engaged to the love of his life, And yet she breaks it up with him because she knows she is no longer the love of his life. It's money. It's become idolatry. And he looks back and he remembers that. And then the ghost of Christmas present comes and he shows Scrooge all the people celebrating on Christmas Day. And then it turns the camera to him. And he's a miserly old curmudgeon who's so unhappy and abuses the people around him. And he has to see himself, as we talked about last week, as a face in a mirror. And it frightens him. And then he's given the view of the ghosts of Christmas yet to come. The future. The the grim reaper shows up on the scene. And it shows Scrooge what happens after he dies. And it's not a pretty scene. Some of the debtors that he had abused, some of his renters, they're all happy because maybe now they've got a chance. Some of his quote-unquote friends are talking about whether they would even want to attend his funeral or not. And they finally decide only if there's food to be eaten. 
and nobody's happy. And finally, the grim reaper, who doesn't speak, just points, takes him to a graveyard and points to his grave. And Scrooge has to see how dark a place it is and that his grave leads directly to hell. And so Scrooge sees this and he's changed by this. He learned that it didn't have to be this way. Now, there's a great quotation in the movie that came from his business partner, Jacob. Uh, I want you to hear this one. He said to Scrooge about his own condition, I wear the chains I forge in life. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it on out of my own free will and out of my own free will, I wore it. What's he saying to him? Scrooge, you're in the condition you are because moment by moment, choice by choice, decision by decision, you've become a bitter person. It's a chain of your own making. You are imprisoned in your own choices. Guys, that's a very biblical concept. In Romans chapter 1, there's this description of these people who've rejected God. They've forgotten God. They're full of sinful desires, sexual perversions. I mean, it's a really, really bad scene. And look what Paul said God did about this. This is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Some translations say God gave them up. In other words, here are a bunch of people who are making bad choice after bad choice, decision after decision to reject God and to pursue things that are sinful. And finally, God, who's a respecter of people, says, you know what? If that's what you want, you can have it. If that's your choice, I'm not going to bully you into serving me. I'll give you over to those things. That's a scary point where God finally says, I'm going to honor your choices. Listen to me. I don't think God sends anybody to hell. He said, well, yes, he does. No, no, no. God does not send people to hell. They send themselves to hell. You see what hell is, if I could define hell in the best terms, hell is where God is not. And so what God basically says to us, if you want to follow your will, if you want to live your life without me, then go at it. In the long run, you'll end up spending eternity completely without me. Now, what's the good news about that? The good news is different decisions and choices can lead into a different direction. And so on that Christmas Eve, Ebenezer Scrooge repents, and by Christmas morning, he wakes up a changed man. In fact, he says this, I'm not the man I was. Now, friends, that's what Christmas should be all about for us. Not just a time of giving gifts and decorations and eating great food. It should be a, ch a time that actually changes us. In fact, go with me to Matthew chapter 1 just for a moment. And look at when Matthew first begins to tell this Christmas story. Now, if you've read Matthew chapter 1, you know the first part of it's all about the genealogy. It tells the story of mankind and the choices they have made. And then it ends up with the Savior. And as you read through this passage, I want you to notice the three names that are given to Jesus Christ. But I've just given you two of them. The three names given to Jesus Christ and what they mean to us. Uh, go to verse 18, Matthew chapter 1. 
This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Joseph's quite a character. I mean, in that day, guys, engagement was much different than our day. You didn't break even an engagement without a divorce. And so he's heard this concocted story, at least to him, that she's pregnant, pregnant by the Holy Spirit, and he makes plans to divorce her. Well, look what happens. But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived of her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from his sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So Joseph, pretty, pretty bold. He woke up. He did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him, took Mary home his wife, but he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and then he's obedient. He gave him the name Jesus. And guys, here's what I want you to see this morning. This is the visitation that changes our life. And just like Scrooge saw his past, present, and future, because of who Jesus is, it changes our past, present, and future. And it's it's all implied in just these three names. The first is, this visitation changes our past. His name is Jesus. What's the word Jesus mean? Savior, the one who comes to save. And Jesus comes, as Matthew says, to save us from our sins. Listen to me. Because of the Christmas story, you can rest assured that all of your past can be taken care of. Because this story does not end in a manger, it ends on a cross, and then beyond that, in a glorious resurrection. And because of that, Jesus, the Savior, is able to say, you know, I don't know what in the world you've done in your past, but it doesn't matter anymore if you put your faith in me. It is all behind you. Any of you here this morning struggling with the guilt of your past? The, the Christmas story tells you it's Jesus. He'll save you. The second is our present. And, and Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. I like what Jeremy was saying at the beginning of our service this, this morning. You are never, ever alone. God is with you. The Scripture says he will never leave you or forsake you. i never forget hearing a brother talk about the struggles of his life where he just basically lost everything. And here's what he told me about it. I never knew that Jesus was all I needed until He was all I had. My friends, if you have Jesus here in the presence, you have everything. And then finally, it deals with our future. He's the Messiah. What does the word Messiah mean? He is the deliverer. Now, the Jewish people, their idea was the Messiah was to come deliver them from Roman bondage. To us, we know it was much better than that. He came to relieve us and deliver us from the bondage that we have to Satan and to sin and to deliver us one day into his presence to live with him forever in heaven. 
Listen, my friends, there is no wonder the angel said, this is news of great joy. Amen? Uh, This is the best news that three of you heard. This is the best news. It is news of great, great joy. Now, here's the cool thing. Because of this visitation, it's just like with Scrooge. Everything changes. Because of this, we can believe in transformation. And just look at the transformation that happened with Ebenezer Scrooge. We meet him at the beginning of this movie. He's sullen. He's sad. He's stingy. What's a stingy? What's a Scrooge? A Scrooge is someone who doesn't like to spend money and doesn't like to give it away. But by the end of Christmas Eve, he's so different. He's laughing. Not only is he laughing, he's joyful. But here's the great sign of being changed. This Scrooge has become generous. He's been changed. There's been an Ebenezer in his life, a moment of change. Now, on Christmas morning, when Scrooge wakes up, he is a different man. He walks the streets singing. He goes to the charity that he had turned down and gives not just money for that year, but to make up for all of the charity. He's kind and loving to children. And he ends up on the doorstep of his employee, Bob Cratchit, who he had made absolutely miserable. And yet Cratchit had kept the spirit of Christmas, even invited him over. Watch this scene about how much things had changed. Ebenezer Scrooge discovered that Christmas is all about transformation. In fact, here's what I would want you to remember today from this message. First of all, Christmas is an Ebenezer. It's meant to be a stone of help. What's that? It's meant to be a place of remembrance that reminds us when God intervened in the world and visited us and changed, changed everything. It's God's visitation. It tells us how generous God is. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You like that out of King James Version? You didn't know I knew it, right? What's it saying? Christmas is about God giving his son. And then as we continue to see the story, it's also about his son giving his life for us. So Christmas becomes an Ebenezer for us. This year should be a stone in your life, a memorial of what God has done. And even right now in our service, we come to another Ebenezer. I believe that communion is an Ebenezer. It's a place where we remember. It's a place where we're reminded that the baby Jesus who was born in that manger died on a cross and resurrected to give us life. He resurrected because as we meet here today, because of what Jesus has done, not what we've done, our past is taken care of. We're not alone in the present, and we know where all of this leads. And so I love this time of communion. In just a moment, I'm going to pray, and there are tables scattered throughout the worship center where you can go and get your communion emblems. If you'd like to go and pray with someone or talk with someone, But more than anything, what I want this to be is this stone of reminder, a place that we're blessed in our crazy lives to come weekly and go, this is what we've got to remember.
because it changes everything about what happens in this room and what happens when we walk out of this room. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for loving us enough to give of your son. And Father, we thank Jesus loving us enough to give his life. And because of that, everything, everything can be different. And we claim that during this moment, this Ebenezer moment, when we remember, when we celebrate, Father. So bless us in this moment, Father. Meet us in this moment and change us as we witness your incredible generosity. Father, may we become more generous people. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You know, the transformation that happens when we understand the Christmas story and the story that we just celebrated, the transformation that happens shows up in generosity. It shows up that I have been so blessed, despite the fact I'm so unworthy, that now this generosity flows from me to other people. You know, when Paul wants to convince the church that they ought to give, he says, I'm not dare going to command you about this. That's, that's not the high motivation. The motivation is that God has given his life for you, and now you are to give your life for him. And so this morning, we have a chance right here in this spot to be generous to people who need our generosity. So I want to invite Jerry Green, if he'd come up here on the stage with me, and we'll talk to him a little bit. Some of you are new here, and you've probably never heard of Meredith Foundation. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, this morning just for a few minutes. Uh, And uh, you're going to hear some really incredible news about how God's working, how he can work even today. First of all, Jerry, I know you're a movie buff. Uh, What's the most touching part of A Christmas Carol to you? Well, I always, I think of two things. I think of one that he's... I mean, he's just lost in the world. He's, he's, uh, he's pretty advanced age when he has his Ebenezer moment. Yeah. And, um, you know, I always think of the thing that says, uh, the old saying that says, the best time to plant a tree is 40 years ago, <laughs> but the second best time is right now. Amen. And he sort of did that. The other thing is when he went, when the ghost of Christmas future went to the graveyard, graveyard and there was his tombstone and he asked the ghost can I please wipe off the words from this tombstone? And I just wonder, you know, we're all going to come to that point one day. What's going to say? Is it going to say we, we loved other people? Is it going to say we were greedy? Is it going to say the things that Ebenezer Scrooge has said that he wanted to wipe off? So th- those two things always t- Dickens is my favorite writer, and, you know, he grew up in poverty. And mm-hmm. he was so poor as a child. That's why he wrote these novels like this. And when he was older and very wealthy, he'd go through the bad sections of London and they would say, Mr. Dickens, you're, somebody's going to kill you. And he would say, these are my people. Wow. He never outgrew his people. And that, mm. I, you know, all those, every time I read a Dickens novel, I think of that, that, that he could have been nothing. And he's yeah. one of the greatest novelists ever. Well, that's strong. That's strong. Mm-hmm. And today, brothers and sisters, we have the opportunity to help people that are in need. And that's what the Meredith Foundation is all about. So, uh, Jerry, for those who've never heard the story, and even for those of us who have heard the story, who never grow tired hearing it, um, tell us how the Meredith Foundation started. Well, in 1995, Monica and I had been married nine years. We have a very strange marriage. We like each other. And so we waited nine years to have a child. And then um, during the seventh month of her pregnancy, she went for a doctor's appointment. 
and there was something wrong and they began to do tests. We went back and forth to Birmingham for two weeks and they kept doing tests. They kept eliminating things and we thought that was good, but really they were eliminating things they could fix. And it ended up being a chromosome problem called trisomy 18, which is incurable. And um, she lived nine days and the next nine months or 10 months or so were pretty much, you know, I've told me before, you could have taken a million dollars from me or given me a million. I wouldn't have cared one way or the other. It was a really tough time. Um, but uh, this church was there from the very beginning. Just a story I've never told, I don't think up here, but the day after we found out that Meredith was not going to live, uh, we Monica's doctors, whatever you call those, baby doctors, there were three of them in the group. And um, one of them was her main doctor, but on the morning after we found that out about Meredith, just to show you how God works and has worked through this church. One of the other partners came and sat on the side of Monica's bed and patted her on the hand and gave her incredible comfort. And today, that doctor is sitting behind us with his wife, Jimmy Dockery. Mm. Oh, wow. And he's in our life group, and we've become best of friends. And God just sent somebody mm. immediately. The elders from this church came and prayed over us. We wanted to do something to give her life meaning. We think that God creates every life for a purpose, and we wanted her life to have purpose. And uh, so we we asked the elders, can we do this? And they said, yeah. And uh, so we've been doing it <laughs> for 27 years. Yeah, That's really pretty amazing. I, I don't think we imagined 27 years ago we'd still be doing this. And, and just think about everything that's happened over those 27 years. How have you witnessed... God's gener- and God's people's generosity through good and bad times? Oh, a thousand ways. Um, I remember I was sharing with you this week, there used to be a homeless family that would come sit on the front of this church, and he walked up and handed me a handful of change one day, and I'm like, I mean, there are moments where you really, it's hard to sort of maintain, and I've seen um, people that it's God's work, and the reason I know it's God's work is because I don't know who gives what. We don't want to know. Um, but I know there are people who are giving more than they can afford to give to this. That's, that's just God's work. That's just saying, I'm turning this over to God. Uh, a lot of the kids sitting in here, I've noticed in a lot of kids, y'all, you guys weren't here 27 years ago. Nick Saban had no national championships 27 years ago. Imagine that. That's a marker in our lives. We both had mustaches 27 years ago. But We've gotten better. A lot have really, I mean, but the things we've seen over and over from that first few days where God put people in our lives, this church, and if you're new here, stop looking for a church. This church will take care of you. They are your family. And uh, they have been through with us through so many things. It's absolutely amazing with this foundation. You know, guys, what I want you to know is everything that you give goes to make uh, Christmas special for children who would not have it. We've already got a stack of people who are applying. And not any pressure on today, but how much did we give last year? 43000 I think. No pressure. That's about double what we had done. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we're able to help a lot of babies. A lot of you will shop. A lot of you will wrap. Just give me a story of how you've seen a child blessed, Jerry, before we give. Well, we were talk- after first service, I was mentioned this. There was a five-year-old little girl that had cancer, and they didn't know how well she was going to do. This is at the very beginning of this. And... Um, 
this church was able to help her and her parents who had, one of them had to quit their job or something to take care of them. And we were able to help with Christmas and with sort of the medical expenses. And uh, she just turned 32. She's still alive and still doing well. Um, the last thing I'd just like to say is there, people come up to us all the time in Monica and they say, thank you for what you do. Oscar Schindler, who, if you've never seen Schindler's List, you need to see it, saved 1,100 Jews from the Holocaust. There are now 20,000 Schindler descendants from Schindler's Jews on this planet that never would have lived because he did one thing. He decided that his money wasn't worth as much as he thought it was, and he gave it away. And now there are thousands of people that exist because of him. And uh, he had them all in the factory there before when they were about to be freed. And he said, you've all come up to me and said, thank you. Thank yourselves. You're what has made this work, not me, not Monica. Now, Monica runs it. She does all the work. If you want to know something about it, somebody will text me and ask me a question. And I'll say, yes, Mike. Yeah. She, she's the one that does it all. And her faith has made this thing great, but so has the faith of everyone here. You know, Bob Cratchit in Ebenezer Scrooge, he couldn't take care of his kids. Mm-hmm. And he just wanted to be able to take care of his kids. Tiny Tim was sick the whole time, but Ebenezer Scrooge made a difference. When he changed, he, Tiny Tim didn't die, as they said That's in the right. Muppet version. And, but even at that, the Cratchit family in their poverty was way better off than Ebenezer Scrooge in his, in his riches because of, he didn't understand what was important. He didn't understand. When he took his eyes off himself, he gained real happiness. And that's just, we want you to give like it's your child in peril. That's, that's all we ever ask. That's um, a beautiful challenge. You know, I, this is probably the greatest example I know of God taking something that was really a tragedy and using it for something really great. And uh, you guys' faithfulness for 27 years, it's amazing. And so, guys, would you give these guys a hand for God, how God used them? Thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you. So you've all seen on the screen ways that you can give. If you'd prefer to give by check, there are wrapped Christmas boxes on the information center where you can place your check in there. But uh, make sure that you give and give generously. This is a great, great cause. As we close out this morning, I want to tell you the most confusing part of this movie to me, which is a very simple movie with an incredibly simple uh, point about change and transformation, is why in the world is it called A Christmas Carol? the, the, The title just doesn't fit the movie. And so I did a little research about that, and, and Dickens, whose faith was really strong, he wanted this book and what would become a movie to be like a Christmas carol. It would be something that was repeated every year so that people would understand the real meaning of Christmas, just like we sing Joy to the World. This movie is meant to be repeated so that our greedy hearts are taken away and replaced with the heart of generosity. And think about what Dickens did. That was 1843. We're almost two centuries later. And there's at least 12 movies called A Christmas Carol. 
counting written and TV form, there's over 300 across the world. And truly, this story that Dickens wrote for a, to be a parable for us is a Christmas carol. It changes us by repetition. And that's why this is such an important moment, is that we're transformed every year as we remember what Christmas is all about. In fact, here's the good news, my friends. And I love what Jerry said. This didn't happen until really late in Ebenezer Scrooge's life. But listen to what he says about his life. These events, talking about his past, can be changed. A life can be made right. What Ebenezer Scrooge teaches us is that it's never too late to change. And as I know some of you, this is the season to think about that. Because for some of you, despite the fact you don't want it to happen, that Scrooge part of you, or maybe you like Grinch, that Grinch part of you is coming up in your heart. And some of you have already made your mind up. I'm just going to make it through December because I don't like all this and make it to January. I want to challenge you right now to allow God to change your heart. To allow Christmas to be that stone of remembrance that says, oh my goodness, God has been so, so good to me. How could I not be good to him? How could I not let it flow out of me to other people? And so this morning, we're going to sing this incredible song about Jesus. And as we sing this song, if you need this church to pray for you, even just about these holidays, maybe you're facing the holidays with a loss that needs to be changed. Or if today you're ready to follow Jesus and to be baptized, talking about an Ebenezer moment, then why don't you meet me down front right now as we stand and sing.